Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. And Brett, it is indeed a glorious day. I know we're here to talk about soccer. We're here to talk about the beautiful game. But I am having an awesome day, and I just want to share my joy with the whole world. And this is my forum for doing so. So I had a question. I I teed it up for you guys right before we started. If you had one wish, one sports-related wish that wasn't tied to outcomes, that wasn't tied to results, like, because if I could wish for one thing in sports, it would be for the U.S. men's national team to win a World Cup. But not just, you know, you can wave your wand and give yourself a title or whatever it is. What would you wish for? Uh, the reason I am so happy and so chipper today has nothing to do with soccer, obviously, since my team is a flaming dumpster fire. But uh, the team that I've rooted for my entire life, which epitomizes flaming dumpster fire, <laughs> finally has a new owner. Daniel Snyder, it seems like, if you believe the reports, has finally agreed to sell the Washington football team or whatever the hell they want to call call themselves right now. I am over the stinking moon. My very first memories in life were Redskins games. I think it's okay to say since they were called the Redskins at that time. Um, it was the thing that I watched every single week with my father like until he passed away. Our last conversation before he passed was about the Redskins, and it is the absolute core of my sports fandom. And Daniel Snyder ruined that for me. He robbed it from me with his cold, greedy, small, little, disgusting (laughs) balls. And he's taken it from my family as well, because like they've been so bad since my kids were born. I barely talk about them with them. It's like it's almost a pox to pass down to them to the next generation. And I felt guilty doing it. So I just kind of have a a sin of omission. And as a result, we talk a lot more Chelsea, which is great until about, uh, I don't know, nine months ago. But so I got mine today. He's finally selling the team. I couldn't be happier with anything that happened in sports off the field. So what about you? If uh, your monkey paw comes up and you get to choose something, Uh. What God. is it that you are going to select? How dangerous to the world if that would happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that when you asked the question. And uh, first off, congratulations, man. Like that's, that's gotta be a good feeling. It's like, you know, after a long six weeks, maybe like digging a ditch and you're not allowed to shower and then you just get to go in the shower. That's how good that must feel to have Daniel Schneider off of you right now. Uh, uh, I, I would I would dig ditches for six weeks every year forever and it would cause me less pain and grime and heartache and anything else than his ownership has so like i would take that in a heartbeat even if i couldn't shower i might live dirty for the last 30 years if he would have not owned the stinking team (laughs) yeah well i mean i'm 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 genuinely happy for you it's got to be nice like a weight has been lifted um and i you know part of me wants to be like virtuous with this and be like oh like I wish that every soccer team had a 50 plus one rule and we get all these 
oil monarchies out of the game um or like fifa wasn't the most corrupt entity in the entire world like i thought about all those things but you know what i really want toby and and this is not rexham related i promise it's more (laughs) it's more tony bloom and brighton related i would like to own a premier league or no 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 i don't want want a premier league team like a league one team and just be able to try to move them up to the premier that would be awesome if i if i had one wish that would probably be my wish. I think that would be incredibly fun. Um, we obviously see the joy that <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Rob, uh, Rob McElhaney have with uh, watching Wrexham try to qualify for the uh, for the League Two. Um, but I, I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, it, again, I'm going to make it selfish. I'm going to make it about me. I make the show about me most weeks. So I'm going to make that about me instead of being like, let's do good for the global game. I'm, it's me. All me. Yeah. Well, it's a great one. I mean, the climb up the table in the English league, like there's nothing comparable to that in American sports, but like being able to take something from a small town or a small club or whatever it is and try to grow it all the way to the premier league and seeing that year over year rise. I mean, that is, that is amazing. It sucks that once you get to the premier league, you usually just get completely smashed, but the climb is something that's pretty amazing to follow. Uh, Mikey Meatballs, I asked you to prep on this as well. So you've everybody's been taking shots at everybody else on the Extra Points Network. It's been a very contentious week. I have listened to all the shows. But I want you to come on and either take a shot at one of those uh, mean jerks or come in and just be the Brett route and say, I would like to own the Islanders or whatever else your heart desires. Well, I'm going to go similar to the the Brett route here. Yeah, uh, there we go. No I hate for me. I would, I would love to just take a GM spot on any of the four of my favorite teams, whether it's the Cowboys, Yankees, Knicks, or Islanders. I feel like you got to pick one. I feel like you got, you have to pick, like this has got to be a Sophie's choice moment for you. If you have, you have, you have to pick one team. You can't be all four. If you're making me. Yeah. If you're if I have to pick, I'll I'll take anyone. I'll take anyone. You could assign me anyone. I'd take it. If I had to pick one, it would probably be the New York Yankees. Really? I thought you would have Islanders. No, come on. The Yankees is the obvious choice. You have a massive budget, and you can't do worse than the guy in the chair right now. (laughs) Exactly right. Well, Well, I love it. Meatballs, I look forward to your first move being training Aaron Judge. I I do like that both of you guys just wanted to put yourselves in position of powers. And I'm just trying to escape like the hell hell hole that I've dug for myself six weeks at a time emotionally for the last three decades. Yeah. Again, this is this is the selfish pod. This is what it is. It's just about it's about self fantasies. It's all all we do here. And I, I wrote down three, and none of them had anything to do with me. So I don't know what that says about my own self esteem. Maybe I need to take that <laughs> up with a therapist anytime soon. Or may, or maybe maybe Mikey and I are just narcissists. You don't know. The that. Uh, the other two I wrote down. It's a little far fetched. I'd settle for sanctions, but Duke basketball gets the death penalty. Would be, <laughs> would be pretty freaking sweet if I had that monkey paw. That's definitely one of the things that's getting it. And then the last one is Pep to come, Pep Guardiola becomes a monk. Like, I just want him out of the game. He's too dominant everywhere he goes. I want him out of my life because I'm tired of trying to beat him. <laughs> I, You know what? Uh, I mean, again, I... I don't think those are necessarily not about you because they directly affect your happiness. So I I think in some ways we all are about ourselves on this podcast. We don't want to do anything for the greater good. You're boy. You're one of us, Toby. You just think you're not. No, please. (laughs) You guys, 
want it all to be about you naming lights. I just want everybody else's name in the dust. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, my, my name wouldn't be in lights. I just want my team's lights to be in the Premier League. That's what I want. I want that glory. <laughs> Fair enough. I want right. people on podcasts to talk about me like I talk about Brighton. <laughs> well, we'll get to Brighton here in just a minute. But there's not going to be a lot of glory in the Premier League this week, Brett. We have a bit of a slog of matchups here. Uh, So let's put on our professional hats and our gambling pants, because this is why we wager on stuff, is to make pretty damp squids like this interesting. I don't have a professional hat. Would you send those out and I miss that one? (laughs) That would be be another mark against my professionalism. Yeah, I'd have you pull out your gold winner's cap with the extra points logo on it, but I don't think you have one yet, buddy. Come on, man. It's you and brother Brian and a couple of other people. You got to set your game up. Yeah, I know. I need to, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, my glory is just going to be losing bets and then have Harry have to come through my door in a bra. So oh, God, that's going to be, that's going to be my legacy within the network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's rip the, through these in chronological orders. Cause there's not really a banger on the entire set. So we will start on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. with Tottenham, 5th at 53 points versus Burnmouth, 15th at 30 points. The Spurs are minus 215. Caesars has Bournemouth at plus 550. The draw is plus 340. Spurs minus a goal and a half is plus 120. Bournemouth is minus 150. So, Brett, credit where it's due for Spurs beating Brighton 2-1 last week, including a worldie from Sun, who isn't all the way washed quite yet. Uh, two questionable calls ruled out goals for Brighton, but they still got the result in a really entertaining game. What's that? Questionable. More than I, questionable. Yeah. My Brighton, my Brighton guys got screwed, Toby. I I would definitely go that far. I know uh there's been some conversation on the topic. We're not, but... not gonna toe lines here. They got screwed. We're taking edges, we're taking hard edges on this show. All right. So the screw job that happened last week that you watched, uh, did you see anything to make you stop fading the Spurs? No, no. Um, and a lot of it gets tied to the fact that just that just they're I mean, they their key guys have played too many minutes. And, and one of them, obviously, their their midfield when they were going good, when they were running good, I guess, if there was a time when they were running good, or at least like where we were just kind of saying, oh, yeah, you know, like Spurs are OK. Uh, you know, Bentoncourt and Hoiberg were forming this midfield duo and it was really productive. Um, Hoiberg has actually like a ton to do with uh, Spurs ability to like retain possession and then move the ball up the field. Um, because unlike on other teams, their center backs don't really do that. I'm still actually convinced that Eric Dyer is a double agent uh, with the number of times he gives away possession, like near his own box. Um, and so like the fact that Oliver has played probably eight and I have to check my notes here, but I think it's eight kajillion minutes uh, over the last two seasons. <laughs> um it has really robbed them of like a key player. Um, I'm not actually s- sure that like Oliver skip um, <laughs> does much on a soccer pitch. Uh, and and then obviously they've had an issue with Basuma uh, between injuries and just maybe falling out of favor with Conte. He like barely hasn't seen, he's barely seen the pitch. He was their big midfield signing this year. Um, so I uh, know I, I don't, I don't think there's anything there. They got lucky to win against Brighton. I I still think we're on track. I am committed to this track this week, even though I think I kind of jumped off it a little last week. Um, but I, I actually think that they're in trouble. I think <laughs> it's the coward's way out in a way, but if you pick Bournemouth to do anything, are you really a coward? Because I'm going to pick them draw this match at that plus 340 number, Toby. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I, I would back you up on Oliver Skip. I think he's like one of the most anonymous top six club midfielders I've seen in recent memory. Like I don't, I don't, I don't notice him on the pitch, like good or bad. He's just a white ghost floating out there in his uniform and <laughs> he doesn't even do anything whatsoever. Like at least like McTominay and Fred, like they draw attention with all of their yeah. cars and antics and things like that. Like they might not be the best players, but at least, you know, they're there. Skip, right. uh, skip just doesn't do anything for no, 90 minutes. Not. Yeah. And uh, it's like one of those things you want referees to maybe be unnoticed. And when you go through the course of a match, not midfielders. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great point. Uh, maybe he'll be a ref in the future, but I'm, I'm not going to take the draw at the plus uh, 340. I'm not going to take them to win at the plus 550. I am just going to take them to keep this close. Uh, Bournemouth recently beat Liverpool. They drew with Newcastle and they stayed within one of Arsenal at Arsenal. City blew them out, but City blows everybody out. So to have them be minus 150 to just stay within one goal, uh, there's no way I'm taking the other side of that line. Like, I, I, if you'll see, my prop is actually that both teams score no. And minus 115. So I expect a low scoring game here. And I don't know if the Spurs can even get to two. And obviously I, I cash this bet if they don't get to two. And I also don't I'm not entirely convinced that, you know, the Spurs will keep Bournemouth uh, out of the net. So in terms of range of outcomes, uh, one zero either way, one one, maybe two one at a stretch. But all of those numbers cash for Bournemouth and minus 150. And so I like that one. And, uh, you know, one of the teams to take a blank. Yeah, well, I'm disappointed, Toby, uh, in in some ways because in none of your analysis did you mention my new favorite player, and that's Dango on change. Uh, Dango Utara, I believe it's pronounced kind of like a W sound. Um, Over under six and a half minutes it took you to figure out how to pronounce that. How much time uh, did you work uh, on that before the show? That was so it was three pronunciations with a text message to a friend confirming that it was pronounced like a W. So I am a professional. I do my work preparing for the show. Jesus, <laughs> use the lifeline. Yeah, I did. I, I usually do that because I'm like, hey, is this sound right to you? Um, but no, he's kind of flown under the radar. And um, honestly, it, it, you know, you, you can obviously trick yourself into a lot of things looking at raw stats. And one of the things he does really well um, is he's really good as like a defensive winger. Um but those numbers obviously get skewed um, in a lot of ways, just because like Bournemouth doesn't have the ball a lot. So like, clearly he's going to rack up a ton of defensive actions, um, but his pace and just giving them kind of like another viable attacker. I mean, you mentioned the Liverpool match. He was the one that set up the goal of Billing, right? Like he runs him behind, he cuts the ball back, Billing runs onto it. Um, and just the fact that like uh, hit, like he has kind of integrated himself in this side really quickly as a young player, um, it's turned out to be a really good signing for Bournemouth and it's given them hope. Like I, I kind of going into this match, I was like, I was, I hadn't, I'll be honest, this is another knock against my professionalism. I didn't really pay much attention, obviously to Bournemouth. You know, I kind of thought they were the same old run of the mill bad, but actually when you kind of go through the results match by match, uh, since about the beginning of February, you know, they've gotten beat handily by good teams, you know, Brighton beat them up pretty good uh, in underlying numbers. Uh, City obviously did. Arsenal obviously did. Uh, Liverpool match was lopsided despite them winning. Um, the only match against a team that was kind of at their caliber was Aston Villa. It kind of took them out behind the woodshed a little bit. But when they've been playing like Leicester, Fulham, uh, Wolves, teams like that, Nottingham Forest, they've been playing them even or better. Um, and I think that's part of this 
part of it is they've kind of found another reliable player, which like they have been lacking reliable players. We've talked about that. Um, and I think, you know, they've committed now to this back four with kind of billing playing. And this is like my all time favorite thing. The Marilyn Fellaini role, just put a six, five sort of hybrid center, mid defensive, mid 10, who's just tall and just play him off your striker. It's the David Moyes special. Um, so like they've actually been fairly competitive. Um, and I, I kind of like the fact that like they've shored up a little bit better defensively against teams that have been not great. And if you talk about teams that have been not great, <laughs> uh, then we have Spurs. So I went both teams to score. No, no, uh, both teams to score. No draw. Um, and at plus one forty five. So I, I think that they're not going to get overrun. I think they're going to be able to put balls past Spurs. Um, I don't trust them to have a clean sheet. So I kind of like the fact that this game is going to be decided in like the two, one range and not the one nil range. Um, and you're getting plus plus one forty five for that number. Uh, okay. So the other one I like flies completely in the face of that, Brett, it's a plus two twenty five number for a nil nil first half. And it just goes with my philosophy when I think you have two teams that aren't great. And uh, we agree that Spurs are one of those. If you can find a way to fade both of them and get plus 225, find a way to fade both of them and take plus 225. And both teams not to score in the first half and for it to go nil-nil, I think it's a pretty great number. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just kind of curious. Like, This is always something, too, with teams like this where there's like baseline stuff. And maybe it's due to my boy uh, Dango on chain here coming in, but Bournemouth was ha- is still one of the worst attacking teams cumulatively in the Premier League. But over that like last two month stretch, like they've been generating over a goal's worth of chances really consistently. I don't know if this is a hot streak, if it's a fluke thing. I mean, obviously it's a small sample size, but like your bet could be one hundred percent dead on in a great play. Or maybe the bookmakers haven't quite caught up to the fact that there's something different going on with Bournemouth. So the, in a way, this match is going to suck and you probably shouldn't to watch it, but it's also kind of interesting to figure out maybe what's actually happening here at Bournemouth. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want something else that sucks at Saturday at 10 a.m., you can watch Chelsea, who is 11th at 39 points versus Brighton, 7th at 46 points. Chelsea is plus 160, Brighton is plus 165. Draw is plus 235. Chelsea minus half a goal is plus 155. Brighton on the double chance is minus 195. So, Brett, you could probably tell from my transition there and some of the snarky <laughs> comments that I've made. Oh, greatest segue if, ever. If you want that, something else that sucks. <laughs> that if Chelsea is going to completely give up on the season, so am I. Like, if, they're, if they don't care, why am I going to continue to care? The fact that they went out in the Champions League quarterfinals and played so lethargically and so uh, lacking passion, when that's supposed to be the one thing Frank brings to the dressing room, like the one thing he's supposed to bring is like fire and passion and professionalism for the club. And they have one, you know, well, two games left that matter. And they go out and give that effort. Like, why should I give a damn the rest of the season? So I know Cassiedo is going to play hard. I know McAllister is going to play hard. That's more than I can say for anyone on Chelsea right now. And like, it's particularly like, it's the Reese James of the worlds that killed me. Right. Like, yeah, we might've, we might've flushed 63 million bucks on uh Cucurella. We might've flushed 90 million bucks on Mudrick. We might've flushed money on guys all over the pitch. 
Reese James is supposed to be the best right back in the world. He's supposed to be the one guy who I can count on week in and week out. And he put together a horrific performance against Real Madrid. And yes, Vinny Jr. is one of the best players in the world and is going to dominate a lot of people 1v1. But it wasn't even the 1v1 stuff that really worried me. It was the cheap giveaways. It was not making the four uh, lung-busting runs to open up space in the middle of the attack. It was just kind of like this lethargic jogging between the boxes and not ever, ever showing any urgency to affect the game as the best right back of the world should affect the game. So I'm just taking this as those guys are all mentally on vacation. They're waiting for the permanent manager to come in. They're waiting for, you know, all of the dead wood to be cleaned out this summer. And as I said, if that's how they feel, Give me Brighton plus 165 all day. And I, there's just no way I can continue to go broke emotionally and financially backing this club. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm right with you on Brighton. Um, I am so drinking the Brighton Kool-Aid, like just hammering that down. Um, I think they're really good. I, I think we've talked about this before multiple times now with them. They just don't have holes anywhere. Like there's just no bad below average player that kind of pulls down the rest of the team, which is the exact opposite of where Chelsea's at, where it seems like there's at least one dead spot on the pitch compounded with the fact that Lampard put him out in probably one of their most ideal formations. Um, but they look like they had no idea how to play out of it. There's no plan to do that. I looked at some of the heat maps and Chelsea played uh, three, they're, they're super midfield. Um, they played three midfielders and three central defenders. Do you know what area of the field was trafficked the most by Real Madrid? The middle of the field. Yeah. I don't understand that. And that to me, it could have been an effort thing. Absolutely. Um, but it also screams to me like there was just no plan in terms of pressing, defending, positioning, things like that. It was very much a Harry Redknapp style, Frank Lampard uh, continuation of just go run out, go out there and just run around a bit on the pitch kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I am Brighton all the way. Um, I'm actually also going to go with the over of three and a half goals. Uh, so it's an adjusted line of plus two ten because just the way that Chelsea defended and the way that Lampard's, uh, Everton seems offended the way that Chelsea defended under him, he has no idea. He is just really bad at this. I know he's your hero and a legend. He is really bad at being a manager, I think. Um, and the games are just wide open. And I do think Brighton is a team, especially with the way they're, they're playing under Deserby. They're going to absolutely punish that. And I, I think that they could. there's an outside chance they could get the over of three and a half on their own. Um, but I think the combination of them being more open and Frank coming in, that over looks super juicy. Yeah, uh, Deserby got a little bit salty last week on the sidelines. So I'm half expecting Frank to bring like John Terry and Bronislav Ivanovic and all the old Chelsea enforcers out onto the sidelines this week just to keep that guy in his box. That would be the highlight of the match for me is it certainly isn't going to be on the pitch. Um, I am with you on Brighton scoring a lot, so I like them to win. <laughs> I like them to score multiple goals here. Uh, I do think XGFC, which is what a lot of fans have started calling Chelsea, who managed to win on XG week after week after week and haven't scored in four consecutive matches. So that's quite the feat they're pulling off right now. Uh, I do think they can get at least one. So I did go with a bet that you previewed last match. Both score, no draw is plus 165. Uh, I like that. I, I think... 
Uh, strangely, I, I think the bigger problem here is Chelsea getting one versus Brighton getting two or three. And that's how far we've fallen. Yeah, that's a great bet. And I really want to add it to my five, five point without you seeing me write it down right now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's a really good bet. Like, I, yeah, I just, I don't think that the Lions are going to catch up for the Lampard factor. And I also think that the way that Brighton has been more open under Deserby is going to be still something that might not be baked into the cake yet with Brighton either. So I, I think both of those bets, I'm obviously going to tell my ex I picked it, um, but I love your bet as well. I think that's a really, really good bet. Yeah. We talked about it last week before the Spurs game. I mean, Brighton's playing nothing but bangers right now. It's there. Yeah. Any game Brighton is involved in is the most fun game to watch in any given weekend for the most part. Um, and so if you think one side is going to get at least two, then all you're betting against like some sort of random chance that it doesn't end up two, two or three, three. And yeah. I think that's a really nice number to get it for it not to hit that such like tight outcome range. Right. Yeah. Super, super small window there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great bet. I, I want to steal it really badly, but I will not to keep the five time fair, but all right. Well, I'm going to find a super small window on the fourth floor and jump out of it. If I have to watch eight more Chelsea games, but to give myself a chance here, I'm going to take a break, give Caesar some love and me a chance to recover. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. You must be 21 and older and physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. No one stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. 
Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Here we go. We are heading to Man City, second at 67 points versus Leicester, 19th at 25 points. Man. That is just sad to say right now. Leicester is 19th at 25 points, 30 games into the season. This game is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Oh, boy. Manchester City is minus 700 against a team that won the Premier League seven years ago. Leicester is plus 1,600. Uh. The draw is plus 675. In order to find a fair bet, the uh, bookmakers and Caesars had to take it all the way up to City minus two and a half. Yeah. Yep. At plus 115, Leicester minus 145 to not get outright embarrassed. And it's the right number. Leicester is in a wild spiral, losing eight of their last nine with uh, the other one being a draw. They've even lost to Chelsea, which is truly embarrassing. I can't think of a single thing they're good at right now. Vardy is like as if you took Sun and put him in the oven for an extra two hours because he's still cooked. <laughs> I don't rate anyone on their defense. Madison's still really good, but he can't do anything against an incredible city team by himself. And why should they rush Telemans back from his injury when they're just going to get smashed? Uh, Arsenal kind of let city back into this title race with that shock draw versus Liverpool last week. So I'm, I'm highly confident city's going to get the three points. Um, and even though they have business left to take care of against Munich midweek, and we have no idea what the lineup's going to be, it just doesn't seem to matter. So the line makers did make this tough by making you go all the way to three to get any sort of decent number. Uh, and kudos to them for doing their job. But I, I can't take Lester. I can't take Lester. No, I yeah. cannot take Lester. It is it is not even close to good enough money, like plus one hundred five for Leicester to even keep it in within three, which says so much about Leicester and so much about how incredible um, the city team is. But I would, Brett, I would say, and then I'll let you kind of give your recap. I do prefer my prop uh, just from the math of it, which is city to score at least two and keep a clean sheet because that pays out plus 125. So basically the math in my head is I think it's more likely Leicester gets zero Um and then City just needs the two to cover, then Leicester gets one, and then City has to score four when they don't really care that much about blowing them out and they need to get ready for the Champions League game midweek. So I'm going to play, if I was to play anything, the at least two from City and the clean sheet win. Yeah, so I'm going to take you on two journeys. And one was the original news uh, that Leicester was in talks with Jesse Marsh to take over. And so my initial reaction was, why, Jesse? No, don't do it. Then I spent a good hour and a half looking at stuff, and I was like, wait, there actually might be a team here that he could manage that's pretty decent. And then he didn't take it, and I was like, oh, bullet dodge. So it was a real real fun roller coaster of emotions there. 
Um, and then the other thing too, is when I looked at this match immediately, I was like, Oh my God, what line, what line wouldn't I take city at? Um, clearly I'm going to take the minus two and a half and plus one fifteen. Um, but then I was, I was looking for any kind of bet. Like what could I take at all? That was goal scoring related for city that probably isn't jacked to the moon because they're expected to win this game. Three, one, four, one, four, Oh, whatever. Um, so immediately, you know, what do you go to, right? Erling Holland, two goals, uh, two or more goals. That number, Toby, was only plus 140. Most, I'm surprised most, it's plus. I'm honestly surprised yeah. it's plus. The guy has 45 goals in all competitions this year. You know how many goals Chelsea has in all competitions, Brett? I don't, I, I'm guessing it's a lot less than that. It's 41. Holland has outscored the billion dollar Chelsea squad single handedly. That's that's not good. Um, <laughs> oh, is that your professional opinion, Doctor? Yeah, that's that's really that's really what I'm going with. Is just not good for Chelsea um, and great for City though. Uh, but yeah, so he was plus 140 for two or more goals, which just doesn't seem like any value for a really hard thing to do at a soccer match. <laughs> like getting a brace, even though he's made it look easy, is still a very tough thing to do. Um, I was tempted, but then you know what? I was like, screw it. We're going to have some fun with this one because there's that's the only way to do it. If you're going to watch this match, which is going to be a complete lopsided beatdown, you got to put like five bucks on a long shot, right? So if you think if we think we're going to find goals in the city match and there's going to be a lot of them, right? And that Holland number at plus 140 is probably not going to get you much value. It's really hard scoring that brace in a game as we've talked about. So the number that I looked at would be Rodri the defensive midfielder plus 700. And the reason why that number seems like it's good value uh, is that he has taken 13 shots over his last six matches where he's played at least 80 minutes. And I know that's a weird qualifying stat. He has been pulled in a couple of matches in the last eight or so, uh, just because city has been throttling teams. Are we like being one of them? Um, but that 13 shots is a little over to a match, which is up from his season total of about 1.62. So he's shooting more and that's directly correlated with stones coming into the lineup before him. So for a guy that has been a danger on set pieces, that's shooting more and playing more advanced playing in a match with at least four or five goals plus 700 seems like a very good number. I mean, you're getting into the range there at plus 700 of a center back scoring. So there's not a lot of difference between me and when I take Michael Keane at plus 900 <laughs> um, and you're getting an actual midfielder who's going to actually take shots from open play. Um, you'll need a Michael Keane-esque strike to put it in the upper corner from 25 yards out to hit this bet. But I still think at plus 700, Rodri is an anytime goal scorer is going to be great. Um, it'll And again, anything in, I think in this match to make it palatable Find a long shot anytime goal scorer on City. They play some kid. If Cole Palmer plays, bet on Cole Palmer to score. Yeah, well, we know Pep's one of our listeners, and you know he's now going to go out and sign Michael Keane to play midfield for City next year. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, your boy Frank did here. say it was the best finisher on the team for Everton, so maybe we'll see him at striker as Holland's replacement when he's hurt. From watching Frank Lampard's Chelsea, something he definitely knows about is who's the best goal scorer. I don't know how you'd pick one on Chelsea since they're all at zero. Not that I'm still bitter or anything. Not at all. Um, all right. Well, 
I guess I, I, I want to move on to the Arsenal game, but I also just have to take one second because I didn't find a way to work it in earlier. How incredible was that Holland left foot like out of the air off his back fading away volley last game? I mean, like we're, we're not just seeing him do trick shots. Like I, I think Grealish should call up the league and give that assist back because there's no <laughs> reason that when you hit it behind the guy and way too high and he shouldn't be able to get any power on it whatsoever. And instead this giant rises up, hits it with his off foot with power and placement. And then Grealish gets to go over and celebrate with him. That That's embarrassing. I, I take it back. The thing I want to be able to do is be able to run down the left side of Manchester city, close my eyes, hit the ball anywhere and get an assist. That's what I that's what I want to do that's non-result based because that's apparently what you could do as long as Holland's running through the middle. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, well, we're basketball guys, right? So like it's basically just like having a freak finisher on your team, like Pikamari Stoudemire, where you can put that ball anywhere or throw it to him early on the pick and roll, and he's gonna take one step, jump from the free throw line and dunk it when you didn't do anything except give him a simple pass. So, or throw, or you could mess up lobs all day long. And that guy was still going to throw him down. So I, he's just very much like that. It's just like, put it in the box somewhere and let this like freak goal scorer go get it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's going to pad some assist totals for sure. Watching that freak do that. And then watching them just destroy the second best team in the world. I mean, it's, it's a privilege to watch a team this good. Like I know yeah. their rivals, I know things like that. And they might, they might not win the league. I mean, we could talk about that in just a second after we do the Arsenal game, but like, it's a privilege. They are just freakish. And then they're going to add Bellingham in the off season. I mean, I don't know when this ends. I need, yeah, I need man. Pep in the monastery tomorrow yeah. or we all have a chance again. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the other thing too, I mean, kind of getting credit to Pep and maybe eating a little crow here is, you know, we, or me, I'll, I'll take this one for me personally. You know, we went on the Mad King rant a little bit, or I went on the Mad King rant a little bit when we kind of questioned some of his personnel choices and selling all the players and Cancelo in particular. And Cancelo has not been playing at all for Byron. So maybe Pep knew something that us idiots sitting here talking about it didn't about Cancelo. Um, and, and let's look at how once again, and this happens all the time with this dude, and this is part of the reason why you the argument that sometimes you hear from Pep is like, oh, he always has the best players. He reinvented this team again. One more yeah. time. He went with three straight center backs. He moved stones into the midfield and it turned them into a juggernaut that now has closed the gap on Arsenal. He does this all the time. There's an evolution every time they looks like they're about to get knocked off their pedestal. And Pep's like, oh, wait a second. Let me go into my magical place and figure out how this all works out. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things too, where everybody got on Burhalter. Why isn't Aronson playing more? Yeah. Sometimes these guys actually do see things that we don't, and we're just idiots talking into microphones and they're actually good at their job. Well, you lost a lot of stones before he moved to city. Did you ever once look at him and say, Oh, that guy's going to be a midfielder on the best team in the world. No. Well, I mean, yeah, he definitely seemed like a guy that could fill in kind of as a holding mid, but like, yeah, not like this. I mean, not for city. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, I, and and this is, and again, it's like the thing with Kyle Walker, where we mentioned this before, you know, when we started the show, this was the thing that was happening. You know, we saw Kyle Walker at Spurs as this blazing fast right back. That's getting down the touchline, covering a ton of ground laser for a right foot. 
And Pep was like, you know what I see in that guy? A quasi third center back that's going to stop counters now that Fernandinho lost his legs. And it's just, that's it. That's what's incredible. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he just found a way to make it all work. It's, it's frustrating if you're a fan of like wanting to see city fall off its perch, <laughs> but in yeah. some ways you cannot, you cannot ignore the beauty of, of the fact that he continues to just make art out of this team. Yeah. Well, I uh, take a, a little bit of solace in something that Logan Roy said in the third season of succession when he asked if Lucas Madsen was a serious person because he said he could knock out any sort of boxer F word, but he didn't know how to knock out a clown. So if somehow Chelsea get past Real Madrid at the bridge this week, and it's Lampard V Pep. I had no <laughs> idea if Pep knows how to prepare for Lampard ball. Oh yeah. I mean, Frank is going to be playing 40 chess in the sense that he thinks that chess boards are actually four dimensional and, 3d so yeah. yeah he's uh he is the opposite he's like the anti-pep is really what frank is oh my god all right let's move on i'm sorry i keep trying to move on but i keep i know okay. it's all right it keeps coming out it's, we already said this is a therapy session for you so we, we already know how this works all right well uh, a team that doesn't need therapy is Arsenal because they're still in first place at 73 points and they are at West Ham this week, 14th at 30 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Arsenal is minus 175. West Ham is plus 490. The draw is plus 295. Arsenal at minus half a goal is minus 170 and West Ham is a plus 130, according to the good folks at Caesars. Uh, so... Brett, this is finally a chance for us to talk about one of the most entertaining matchups of the year last year. That Liverpool game was incredible. What were your main takeaways? Ah, uh, that we just will never be able to figure out Liverpool. <laughs> I mean, really, like that's the thing that I took away. Um, you know, they it looked like they were about to just get knocked out in that match. Um, and whether it was like they needed granite Jacka's, you know whatever you want to call it to get him fired up. And then there's some emotional thing that brought him back into it. Um, or that they're just like a team that's just going to come in waves and we never know when that wave is going to crash to the shore and Arsenal found out the hard way. Um, but that match was awesome. I mean, it was, it was probably one of my favorite matches of the season, if not my, my favorite. Um, and yeah, it just, it just goes to show you a, we have no idea how some of these teams are going to ever come out. <laughs> we thought Liverpool was cooked. We thought their midfield Adam Cook, and then they go out and they just absolutely obliterate, which has been pretty clearly the, one of the five best teams in the world. So <laughs> I don't know. That was my takeaway. It's like, I just don't know anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there was a lot of confirmation, confirmation bias for me, like Van Dyke, um, Losing Jesus on that header is that's just something I would have never seen Van Dyke do two or three years ago. It just is continuing to be a little bit of signs of decline from a guy who's been the best defender in the world for a really long time. Martinelli, I thought was excellent, but I thought he's been looking excellent uh, a lot lately. I guess on the other side of it, things that I was surprised by, like I don't know where Saka was. We talked about uh, Skip being anonymous earlier. Saka was kind of strangely anonymous and. So it's a big match. He just didn't have the impact that I expected from him. And I'll I'll eat a little crow. 
I still think he is a defender who refuses to play defense. I still think he's overall liability, but track Alexander Arnold, absolutely cooking Zinchenko down the touch line and setting up the, uh, yeah. the equalizer at the very end was a moment of brilliance that not just uh, nutmegging him and getting around him, but then hitting an inch perfect cross to the far posts that Firmino was able to put back on the frame. And it was the only way they were going to ever beat Ramsdale who turned into a deity for the last like 30 minutes of that match. They conceded Arsenal conceded four XG in that match only gave up two goals. It is a hundred percent because of Ramsdale that one on uh was it? I forget who it was right at the end there. I think it was one of the defenders where he like Superman dove across the goalkeeper or across the goal mouth on a recovery save and knocked it aside uh, right before the, no, that was an extra time. That would have been a winner for Liverpool. I mean, he was, he was so good. And we talked a lot about Ramsdale last year because he was a bright spot on an underperforming Arsenal team. We talk about him less this year because there's so many other great stars on that team, but he really stepped up and gave them a point that could be critical in the title race. Yeah, I mean, that that point is absolutely going to still be crucial. Um, obviously, it was probably a little disappointing to them when, you know, you're up and look like you're about to cruise that match and then end up coming, coming away with the point. Um, but, I mean, again, you can't really take anything away from uh, Liverpool either. I thought Kanate, and he was the guy that I think you're the savior talking about at the end there. Yeah. I thought Kanate was awesome. Um, like, like, him staying healthy is clearly going to be a big thing for Liverpool. He covers up a lot of Trent's uh, deficiencies on that right side. Um, and Henderson was all over the place. I mean, he had four, I think yep. he had four tackles and intersection uh, inter- plus interceptions. He had a ton of ball recoveries. Um, and, it, and it goes to show, I think if you're looking at things as data points, it goes to show me that they got, I think it was 30 minutes about from Thiago right around. I think he came on right about that 60 minute mark. Um, and Hendo turned back the clock to like, you know, peak 2019 Hendo yep. um, and was awesome. And he was all over the pitch. And with those two things happening, you know, they had and they and not playing James Milner. <laughs> we saw a much more functional, just destructive Liverpool team. So you talk about things that maybe confirm biases that we talked about. We have been talking about the midfield being an issue. And then all of a sudden you get to turn back the clock game and you get one of the best midfielders in the world, even though he's, you know, still getting older and Thiago back for a half hour of the match. And then boom, Liverpool cooks Arsenal and gets unlucky with only coming in with the draw. So there was a lot to take away from that match. And, it, and I, I really hope everybody watched it. It was super fun. Um, that is one of the reasons we're like, oh, soccer matches end in ties. No way you can watch that and say that game wasn't fantastic, even if it ended at a tie. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, so back to the match at hand. Good teams are just hammering the hammers right now. Newcastle beat them 5-1. Brighton beat them 4-0. United beat them 3-1. Spurs beat them 2-0. Uh, they drew Chelsea 1-1, which proves the rule that only good teams are the ones beating them. The reverse fixture here, Arsenal beat the hammers 3-1. Uh, and Arsenal are in the top spot, not because of how they're performing against their peers, like a reborn Liverpool team or a city team or whatever else. They're on, number one on the spot because they take care of business and they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. So not only am I taking Arsenal, I'm willing to adjust this line further up and Ooh. I'm moving this up to minus one and a half at plus 155 to get real value. Yeah. And Toby, you know, I usually don't 
like calling you out when you make mistakes in the podcast, but when you talk about, you know, good teams against West Ham and you forgot the one they played today, uh, you know, Ghent outshot them 20 to four in the Europa conference league today, Toby Ghent. Could you name, can you name one player on Ghent? I actually knew when I looked at the 11, this is really sad. I actually recognize one name. Do you think you can name a player from Ghent if I gave you 40 guesses? <laughs> no. I, I I think I'm more likely to like name the hometown of a character from Ghent that was in like the original office than I am to name <laughs> a player currently on the roster. Yeah, the only one I knew was Camille Piatowski, who plays for the Polish national team. And if it was in a non-World Cup year, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't recognize that name. Um, but it, it basically what that tells me is that West Ham is in a bad spot. Uh, Declan Rice started that match. And it's also saying that Moyes is going after the Shiropa conference league, which why <laughs> when you're very close to falling really into the thick of a relegation race. Um, and so I, I, there's zero hope. I went to the adjusted line as well. I'm going portfolio bet with uh, Jesus as an anytime goal scorer plus 160 for the prop. Uh, I, yeah, West Ham is just, <clears throat> I, they had a small, you know, they had that, that, that peak where they were, you know, where we're looking at them, like maybe they're going to break into this top seven consistently. Maybe Jared Bowen's a superstar. Antonio kind of, but what was an, uh, you know, like a pretty average career arc and then looked like a star for 18 months. Um, but I think the small squad, I think the, the extra matches, they were in Europa league last year, they were in Europa conference league this year. This team has just played too many matches. The players aren't that good. They might be in trouble. If when we really lock into the relegation matches, I would not be surprised to see this team slide past a bunch of teams with how tightly packed they are, knowing that a they're getting outshot twenty to four by Ghent, uh, <laughs> and then b they're actually still going for this Europa Conference League title and adding matches onto an already exhausted small squad. Um, yeah, and I I mean Arsenal. Part of the reason Arsenal takes care of business against these kind of teams, they just absolutely murder these teams with possession. They pass the ball around them. They, they pin them back. This is going to be exactly what happens. I think in this match here. Yeah. I, I think the adjusted line is absolutely the way to go. It will be in my five time for sure. So once you adjust the line up like that, that I started hunting for value and uh, I settled on first half bets. The two best ones that I saw were Arsenal to win the first half as plus one twelve. Uh, if you want something less spicy, but a little safer, if there's any chance they might concede. Uh, Arsenal to score in the first half is minus 140. And Arsenal has scored in the first half of seven of the last nine league games, and they are a hell of a lot more dangerous than Ghent. Uh, so I really like them to light the board in the first half coming up. If you think that they're going to hold West Ham scoreless or they're going to get two, then getting my plus 112 for them to win the first half my, instead of the minus 140 is definitely the better play. But you just brought up relegation, Brett. I had to look this number up because I didn't know you were going to come in with such a, a flamethrower for West Ham. West Ham <laughs> to be relegated right now is plus 1100. Are you betting that right after the show? The problem is <laughs> there are four teams that are complete dumpster fires between them and relegation. 
uh, Leicester, Forest, Everton, and Leeds, especially Leeds under uh, Garcia. Oh, don't forget Southampton, dude. Southampton's minus 700 to get relegated now. Yeah, they are. They are. And it's because they're screwed on accumulated points, but their, their numbers are actually not that terrible. Um, and West Ham has been in a real dive in the second half of the season. If one of these teams got their stuff together, um, and just and, and, I, and that's like a relative sense. If they if they got their stuff together in terms of like they put a little bit of like water or baking soda on the raging fire in the dumpster, like and they like got like a third of it put out. I would actually think that that would be pretty good value for West Ham because they're only going to get worse because they're advancing in Europa Conference League and they're they're, they're going to be a favorite to win it. And Moyes is clearly going for it. That is going to have an exponential effect in how they play in these matches in the weeks after. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm tempted now. I'd probably need to see some, some sign of life from one of these deadbeat teams that I just think have no hope. So (laughs) you bet on Chelsea midweek. So you don't mind taking a team that has no hope. You might as well take West Ham right now. Uh, also looking at future odds, I was shocked to see this. Did you look at the title winning odds after this week? I have not, no. So Arsenal is first, at, has a six-point advantage. City does have a game in hand, but there's only eight games left, and City is up six points. And um, and sorry, Arsenal is up six points. And City is now heavily favored to win the league. It's moved back to City minus 140, Arsenal plus 120. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is it's hard to understate. Uh, and you brought this up when we talked about the city match. Like they just drilled uh, the team at 538 <laughs> second in the world <laughs> in Bayern uh, in midweek. So, and it's just how it's just hard to understate how good they've been since they went to this like John Stones, Rodri double midfield with three center backs. Like they have just been obliterating teams. Um, including the second best team in the world. I'm guessing that has a huge factor into this. Plus, you know, they're going to be favored to win the game in, game in hand. That's going to only put them three, point, three points back. Arsenal has been pretty good, you know, like they've been all season. They're definitely a top five, seven club in the world for sure. Um, but City is an absolute juggernaut right now. And, well, of course they are, but making up six points in eight games is not a fait accompli. Yeah, but it's, right? it's only going to probably be three points once the game in hand is, is played. So because well, we, we say that, but they also drew against Nottingham Forest not that long ago. I mean, like City is not leading the league right now. They're the, they're the mere side of Arsenal. They murder teams that are on their level, and then they let, you know, they give up points against teams that are miles beneath them. Um, and so I'm not sure I'm willing to count anything. It's just like one, like, you know, what they have nine games left. I'm not putting 27 points just on the board and assuming Arsenal's out of this, particularly because since they still play head to head, but at the same time, like I hold a city plus plus one forty ticket. I wouldn't hedge out at Arsenal at plus one twenty. but if I didn't hold any ticket right now, I would probably take Arsenal at plus one twenty just because there's so few games left. Yeah, I mean, but the the six pointer that's at home for City is also a huge thing that the books are factoring in. And let me read you this run in for for City because it's it's a real murderer's row, Toby. Since we're on the subject, they have Leicester at home. They will go away to Brighton, which could be a tricky match for them. They'll have the home match against Arsenal. 
Then they'll go away to Fulham, who should be in the relegation race, but have gotten really lucky and will probably be without Mitrovic. They'll be at home against West Ham, who we just covered. They'll be at home against Leeds, who are a complete dumpster fire. They'll be away against Everton, also a dumpster fire, except located in Liverpool. <laughs> then home against the Chelsea team, which we don't want to do this with you anymore. We're just going to say probably going to be a win. And then they end against a Brentford team that will have probably absolutely nothing to play for. Maybe Brentford's in the, uh, the mix for a Europa League conference thing for seventh at that point, but probably they're just playing out the string because they're already solidly in eighth, ninth. So that's a pretty like easy run in. I, I mean, the Brighton game could make things interesting. If Brighton wins or draws them, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the line moves after that. But like, they should theoretically, with the way they're playing, just smash all these other teams on the way in. So I'm guessing the bookmakers are seeing that, which is why they're such they're so heavily uh, um, favored to beat Arsenal. Maybe I don't know. I just I mean I guess it's a testament to them that they're six points back with eight to play or nine to play since they have the game in hand, and they're actual the favorites. I I can't remember a title race that was ever like that before. Yeah, I mean, also we don't we don't really know how much you know the bookmakers are putting on the weight of the fact that they're at home for the six pointer. Um, so maybe there's a pretty big favor like tilt towards them just in that match alone. I'm sure there is, but Arsenal has no fixtures that matter outside of the Premier League, and City still has an FA Cup uh, final to play or a semifinal and final, and a Champions League quarter semi and final to play. So that can counterweight just one game at home. But anyway, there's no use arguing about it. It's going to be a hell of a run in, and uh, we'll be talking about them smashing all those teams that you just laid out. Uh, all right, we need to take one more break, and then we'll do our last two games, do the five pie, and get you out of here. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, we are back and we are talking about Nottingham Forest, 18th at 27 points versus Manchester United, 4th at 56 points, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. United is minus 165, Forest is plus 450, the draw is plus 285. United minus half a goal stays at minus 165, and Forest is plus 127. So, Brett, uh, I have had many moments in my life recently uh, that's been a bit chaotic that made me question if this entire thing is a simulation. And I had another one today 
Because anytime I can see Harry Maguire get an own goal <laughs> off his giant forehead and extra time to create a draw just brought me so uh, much joy that I assumed that life had to be planned somehow by computers versus that being able to happen organically while I'm watching and laughing the entire time. That was <laughs> incredible from Slabhead today. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was the gift that you needed uh, with your your club struggling right now. Um, it was a gift that I enjoyed just because. Oh God, do you remember? Well, you you're not. You're probably you're smart. And you're probably not on Twitter that much, but man, United Twitter after they beat Barcelona in Europa. Oh, I mean, the statues of Ten Hag that were being built in the retweets. It's crazy, man. And then they go out and they draw to Sevilla. A Sevilla team who, by the way, they're kind of a Europa League staple. So people might be like, oh, this is their thing. This is what they do. Sevilla's bad this year. Like, like Eric Lamella started at striker. Yeah, that Eric Lamella, Spurs legend Eric Lamella started at striker for Sevilla today. And they they basically equaled United on shots. They ended up drawing the match. Um, Sevilla is currently for anybody who cares about reference is 13th in La Liga right now with a minus 0.36 XG 90 differential. So this is not like your dad's Sevilla that wins Europa League titles um, like they're it's their birthright. This is a very different team than United just drew. And that was with their their golden boy, you know, Casemiro back. So, yeah, I have a lot of questions about United. I went into this match against Forest being like. How can I talk myself into Forrest? How can I do this? And you know what? Forrest is such ass. I cannot figure out a way to get a a bet for them going. I wanted to find the draw. I wanted to find a money line or a spread or something. I ended up just eating, taking United on the money line at minus 150. I couldn't go anywhere else, Toby. Am I wrong? No, uh, you are not wrong because I went through the same exercise. And that's even after a game today where Martinez and Veron seem to be out for uh, who knows yeah, how I mean, long. Yeah, Veron is for sure. It looks like him. Mean, he got subbed off. Your boy McGuire was in for him. Well, Martinez got carried off on a stretcher. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like he, it, that one looks really bad. I don't know if it's an ACL or what. I don't, I don't think there's been confirmed reports before we started taping. And Rashford is out up front. So they're missing their center back pairing. They're now going to be playing uh, Slabhead back there. The guy who's scored, I don't know, at least half, maybe 60% of their goals since the restart after the World Cup is also out. And it doesn't seem like anybody in the league wants to finish fourth. Um <laughs> <laughs> Spurs United pool like nobody seems to be putting it together. This, to this is what hurt me so spot. bad about Brighton getting screwed out of that the points against Spurs was that I just yeah. wanted that storyline so bad. So even with all that, and even with you know me being doubtful about United, there's there was not a number that I could take freaking. Force. <laughs> well, it wasn't. Dude. Oh my god, Forest this year they've only beaten Leeds, Leicester, and Southampton, which is just a, a call sheet for relegation right now. So there's no <laughs> win equity here, and the draw isn't anywhere near a high enough number for us to bet like it falling exactly square, unless you want to bet nil nil. So even though the number isn't sexy, I actually think you should have to pay a lot more juice than minus 165 to take a Champions League contending team to win against someone that's almost a lock for relegation. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if if the recent form of Bournemouth is any indication, like Forest is pretty much the worst team in the league, probably uh, now that Frank Lampard is no longer managing Everton, Sean Dice can actually somewhat organize them. Um, and yes, yeah, so, I mean, you're you're really looking against uh, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Like Forest has never been they've never even had good streaks. Most of their good luck has has been just that it's been good luck. Like they've just gotten good results in games. They had no business getting good results on. We could probably go through the list of draws and even wins that they've had that have just been really fortunate for them to get. Um, and so the other bet that I kind of hemmed and hawed about, because you're going to, you're going to mock me for this because you know, we're looking, we're staring down the barrel of a Harry Maguire starting 11 announcement here, but the both teams to score. No, like, it feels like if this match is like a terrible match, it's probably going to be a nil-nil draw um, or something. But like if Forrest wins, it's probably off what, like a penalty, you know, Harry sticking his leg out, tripping somebody in the box. And then, oh, and well, then given United, that, given that they gave up two own goals today, who says that Forrest has to score at all? They just have that's to true. put the ball. That's true. I didn't, in I didn't put in the United. own goal factor in a both, uh, about the score. No bet. But no, I mean, it just seems like Forrest is going to really need a lot of luck to score no matter who's there, especially with Casemiro being back. Um, and then I think Maguire without Rashford, like, you know, the thing about Rashford too is he was running hot. He was out over his, his skis in terms of his finishing. So not only was that going to come back to earth, but they've lost him completely. Um, and I guess like if you want to say something about Forrest is like they're not the worst team in the league defensively. Um, so I figured that there was just going to be some way that one of these teams didn't score. So uh, that's why that line looked appealing to me, but I know you're going to turn around and be like, Hey, do you remember that Harry Maguire is going to start? So I'll take that out of your mouth and I'll say, I'm still going to make that my prop bet. Yeah. You really went Eminem and eight mile on me there. Started saying all the bad things that I was about to say. So I can skip them. (laughs) Um, I should have wrapped them for you. Oh, please do next week. The entire thing in a wrap. Yes. I'll pay you double. <laughs> uh, so I went with a goal scorer flying in the face of what you're talking about, but none of the traditional names at Manchester United. I'm going with the hero of Sevilla today, Sabitzer, who is yeah. plus 450 as an anytime goal scorer, despite a brace today in Europe. Uh, And I thought before he scored twice today, I thought he looked really dangerous last week. He's doing a particularly good job of operating in tight spaces, and he's hitting these turns and snapshots that are dangerously on frame. And without Rashford, he'll certainly have the green light to go for goal, and it wouldn't be shocking at all if Forrest Park's a bus, and and they need somebody to operate in these tight spaces. So given the aggression and given the skill that he's demonstrating to get almost 5-1 to for him to get a goal uh, after getting two today, this felt like good value. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell just because he hasn't been with the the team all that long. I think he's played like only 800 minutes with them. Um, but, you know, he has already chalked up three goals and an assist. He's clearly playing in more advanced positions. And I don't know who else you'd really be overly excited about picking this at any time goal score. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's that's really solid. So, yeah, well, the clear answer is McTominay. I mean, the guy can't be stopped right now for club or country. Yeah, yeah 100%. banging him home. Throw a Scotland jersey on him, and it's a lock. <laughs> okay, let's get the last game done here. Uh, Leeds United, 16th at 29 points versus Liverpool, 8th at 44 points. This game is not till Monday at 3 p.m. 
Liverpool is minus 140. Leeds is plus 340. The draw is plus 300. Pool minus half a goal is minus 135. Leeds is plus 105. Uh, so, Brett, we talked a lot about pool earlier. And just because they eked out a draw with Arsenal at home, I'm not ready to let them all the way off the hook for what I saw in the previous week. Uh, they have heart. They showed heart against Arsenal. But unless Hendo could turn back the clock every single week, I still don't think they have a midfield. And I definitely believe they still have an ailing defense. That said, Leeds is truly dreadful right now. And I need a lot more than plus 105 for them to get a result against even like half of a decent Liverpool team. Uh, I mean, maybe if they were playing Chelsea, I'd take it, but not not against Poole. So even though I'm not convinced, I'm taking... uh, I'm taking pool at minus 140, but because I think both teams kind of suck right now in midfield and both teams suck on defensive organization, it's a great recipe for a lot of goals. So I am skipping the traditional over on 2.5 and I'm even adjusting that up to the over 3.5 at plus 145. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm right with you in terms of taking Liverpool um, when it comes to the money line or spread or however you want to bet it. Um, but I, I went to a portfolio bet here playing into the what Liverpool team will show up this week. Uh, the Liverpool win from behind bet that we've talked about numerous times with this roller coaster of a freaking team. Um, it, it kind of fits in this one, right? Like they're playing at Ellen Road. They're going to come off this big high. They still are probably super long shots for the Champions League. So we don't know if they're how motivated they're going to be. So I could very easily see Leeds like nicking the first goal and then also Liverpool being like, oh, hey, they're playing West McKinney and Mark Roca in a midfield two and then pouring three on and winning three one. So that's at plus 600. The Liverpool win from behind bet just seems like a perfect recipe for this match. It just seems like everything is lined up for this. Um, and so I really like that bet. I, I really can't. I know I went long on Leeds with Tyler Adams being out. Um, but it showed like crystal palace annihilated them last week. They've genuinely been pretty bad under Garcia. Um, probably should not have fired Jesse Marsh and we're, you know, we're pro American, but, uh, in general, that seems like it's a pretty disastrous move in hindsight as it's moved them firmly into the relegation battle. Um, and I just think that Liverpool's attack is still incredible. We saw what they did against Arsenal, whether they have that motivation, who knows it's Liverpool. Um, but I still do like the win from behind, but I think it's set up really, really well for that one. It's a good one. I mean, anytime you like uh, one team to definitely be the winner, plus you like four goals in the match, it gives a lot of space for that bet to hit at really high odds. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that number quite a bit plus 600 because you're, you're saying there's going to be a series of goals in this match and you're just betting that Leeds gets the first one. Um, I think you're getting great value there. So kudos to you. Uh, and kudos to you for beating me right now in the five pint. You are currently up one on the five pint after getting that Jesus anytime goal last week. So neither of us was that great. Both of us had Arsenal to win, and I thought we were going to cash that. But obviously that late goal from Liverpool took that win right away from us at the death. Um, in order to catch up with you, I am upping, upping my game and I'm not just taking four plus money bets again this week. I'm taking some pretty longer shots, uh, starting off with Chelsea and Brighton, both score, no draw. The one you were slobbering over earlier was in my five pint all along at plus plus one sixty five. 
Arsenal minus uh, one and a half. The adjusted line there. I think you might also be backing that one. So uh, plus yep. one fifty five. Neither of us are going to get an advantage, but both of us like it. Uh, I'm taking Arsenal to score first half at minus one forty as my one safety play this week. And then I'm taking Liverpool leads over three and a half goals plus one forty five for all the reasons we just talked about. And then gave me Sabitzer on the anytime goal score at four fifty for my right handed hook to come back and put you on the canvas. Uh, when I'm trailing Man. halfway through the match, Marcel Savitzer is responsible for my demise. Oh, that's <laughs> that's gonna hurt. Um, yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, I, I kind of feel bad, but we are gonna basically cancel ourselves out on the Arsenal bet. I'm gonna take that one as well. Um, I am gonna go kind of in a similar vein with Brighton, but I'm gonna take that adjusted over uh, of three and a half at plus two ten for two pints, though. Um, then for my fourth pint, I'm going to go City minus two and a half at plus 115. Uh, and then the final one, I'm going to ride the Liverpool <laughs> roller coaster and take the, the, the from behind win at plus 600 for my fifth and final one. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I'm opening the door because all these bets are what plus 115 or higher. Um, yeah. so, so there could be Marcel Savitzer could sabotage me here. Yeah, well, I thought well, I was I'll sabotage myself, but I thought I was starting to stretch, and then woo, you blew right past me. But that's what you do—you play a high variance style, and uh, it's worked out for you over the long haul. It's just not for the faint of heart for any given week. A very fruitful December's, and then a long barren spells until the spring. <laughs> All right. Well, I know that we have a bit of a barren spell in terms of matches this week. Uh, Brighton Chelsea should be a lot better, but one team is sitting that one out. It seems like well, you can make any of these matches interesting by putting a few bucks on it and getting in some action and aligning what you want to happen, no matter if there's inaction on the field. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully with a little bit of better slate with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. See everyone. Take care, y'all. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.